Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 373 with Tom Breeze of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey, Founder Fam, welcome back to another episode. Nathan Chan here, and I tell you what, you guys are in for an absolute treat. If you're running any kind of paid advertising right now, you are even spending a dollar, then this interview is worth your time. Tom Breeze is an absolute master when it comes to YouTube ads, and I know that you're going to really enjoy this interview. When it comes to getting your paid advertising working, and then I guarantee after listening to this, you will want to go and start running YouTube ads. So look, that's it from me, guys. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do leave us a review. Now let's jump to the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, the first question we ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job, aka how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Good question. So I started out um, with the my current business, which is a YouTube ad agency, and we do like training for um, businesses as well. So we do like mentoring packages and things like that. Um, and that all started about eight, nine years ago. I was running a company doing a lot of SEO work and working with clients. And prior to that, I kind of like started up at a different business and it was a kind of psychology based business. I kind of studied psychology at university, absolutely loved it, did my master's. And so that's kind of been like a I suppose, foundational bedrock to everything we do even today. But um, yeah, so I built that first business up with Google AdWords, worked really well. It was in the good old days of Google AdWords where it was like so easy to get any sort of result. Um, and then so I um from the off the back of that first business, I started finding more and more people coming to me, um, looking to understand how to put video together and how to communicate best on video. And so I started teaching a few people, not really knowing what I was doing, but I I managed to work out how to get a camera, get lighting, get microphones and make it work properly. And started showing a few business owners how to present on camera and get good at it. And um I started getting like creating these videos for businesses and I kind of partnered up with somebody at the time that was really good at SEO. So I knew nothing about the SEO world at all, but we started getting these videos ranked on Google and YouTube um, and getting great results for clients. And then it was in the, I must've been when Google started doing things like Panda and Penguin updates and all these kind of crazy things that were going on at the time, SEO just died a death. And I was left with these clients with, 
very few results left. Um, lots of our rankings that we had for clients had just dropped off the front page of Google and YouTube. And I was in a fortunate position where I said, do you know what? I'll take the client, one of our, one of our clients' videos and I'll go back to my Google Ads days, but I'll try and apply pay-per-click to the video we had for this client. And it worked. So I kind of ran the video, ran the video that we had ranking um, previously, ran it as a video ad, and I kind of spent my own money just out of sheer embarrassment for the fact that we lost the rankings. And uh, <laughs> I was like, hopefully this works. And the client made a load of money, and that was great. So I said to him, okay, cool. Well, it seems like it's working. Um, are you happy with the leads and the, are they turning into customers and, and are you selling? And they're like, yeah, this is amazing. And I said, cool. Well, like what's each lead worth to you? And he did his numbers and he came back and it was a UK client. So it was like, works out as about 10 pounds per lead he was willing to pay. And for me at the time, it was coming in at about two to three pounds per lead. And I said to him, okay, well, if, if you pay 10 pounds per lead, how many do you want? And he's like, oh, well, unlimited, go for it, go crazy. <laughs> And that was the start of the agency, really, because we've built everything in a similar way since then. So we're always performance-based. We spend the money on advertising first, and then clients pay for results. And we just stuck in our lane of just doing YouTube ads for the last eight years. And it's meant we got very, very good at it. And because we haven't kind of veered off to do any other type of advertising, we're very familiar with other type of advertising. But um, YouTube's been our our baby, so to speak. That's been like where we've stuck and done well. And ever since then, we've kind of, I kind of woke up and realized I had an agency after a year or two of doing that and had some team members. And I was like, yeah, I think we have an agency here. <laughs> and we've grown and scaled it and helped some really amazing businesses and brands do some crazy good stuff on YouTube. And more recently, we've started to mentor people and show them how to do YouTube ads as well and how to get the very best results, still following like the performance-based model as well. So yeah, that's kind of how I've gotten to do my day job <laughs> of running YouTube ads for clients. That's awesome. And why do you think YouTube ads are so powerful? Like you look at everything that's happening right now with uh, Facebook, uh, things, you know, uh, a bit up and down for many, many media buyers on the Facebook side of things. Um, is that mm -hmm. the same for YouTube ads? Like, why do you think they're so powerful? There's, I mean, right at this moment in time, there's some volatility, I suppose, with the fact that the iOS updates are happening right now. And that's some of the craziness that's going on at the moment. But we definitely don't suffer from the same problems that Facebook are having, where you kind of get a random account shutdowns and things like that. That's not really plaguing YouTube at all currently. It feels like YouTube, having been in the Google space and been around for a lot longer, it's a lot more stable and a lot more... Uh, predictable from that standpoint. But the the real reason I think that YouTube in particular is so powerful is because it's the mental shortcuts that people make when you run ads on YouTube. Like, yes, you can target people based on their search behavior or their interests or their interaction with your brand, like with remarketing and things. But the real hidden impact of running YouTube ads, in my opinion, is where the everyday person, especially if you're going to B2C audiences, the everyday person that sees your video on YouTube considers you and kind of makes the heuristic or the mental shortcut to be like, if you're advertising on YouTube, you're like one of those TV brands. You're like a Super Bowl brand. You can afford to advertise on YouTube. I don't think people realize that that's what the everyday consumer sees. They think, wow, this person's gone to the effort of having put together a video. It doesn't need to be that high quality either. But the impact you have with people is that they make this mental shortcut that you must be this amazing brand. And you get to piggyback off of all of that credibility from being there from day one or kind of like that first impression to the consumers is like that. And as a result, you really get remembered for how you put that video together, the message you have, the uh, connection you make with the audience uh, or your viewer. And it's a really intimate moment as well, because most of the time, if you're watching TV, you might be watching with somebody else. And so there's more of a social element to it where you're considering your environment and the people with you when you're making up your mind about that brand, right? So if you watch a TV ad and I might be sitting there with my wife um, or my kids or something um, and we watch it, I'll be conscious of my decision-making about what I think about that brand when someone else is with me. Whereas when I'm on my computer or on my, on my mobile device, it's a very like personal 
space. It's just you. And you make up your own minds. Um, and as a result, you do think differently and you can be persuaded uh, quite easily by YouTube ads, especially if you're looking for something in, in the first place. Like YouTube's great for search. And if people have been searching Google or if they're on YouTube doing their research or they're watching their favorite video um, content producer, then all of a sudden you're, you're in a space where you can really be there at the perfect time. And so you can, you can get the timing right. You can have such an impact and people just don't forget you. So it's a really, really great platform to be advertising on. And when it comes to kind of like clients or stories, can you tell us some like crazy, like maybe one to two crazy stories of how YouTube ads have impacted their business? Yeah. So, I mean, we've got, we've got crazy results and things that it always feels like, it's, I don't know, we can, I can talk about kind of case studies where people have started working with us and spending probably what, like, uh, I think one of our biggest case studies we've had is like they're spending $45,000 a month and then we worked with them and within a very short period of time, about four months, they're up to $2 million a month um, on YouTube um, holding their CPA and being really consistent results as well. But those are very rare. You don't get to go and spend like $50,000 a day on YouTube and um, not have everything put together well. You know, you need to make sure you've got a great audience and you've got a great offer and then everything sort of starts coming together when you put a great ad together as well. So there's, there is kind of like these unicorn moments, so to speak, which is um, unusual. But I mean, the, the, the kind of the everyday type activity on YouTube where you kind of like kind of what kind of level of expectation, I think, is that if you, if you start with, I mean, there's a lot of brands that do very well on YouTube and they'll promote their products and they'll go scaling like crazy and they'll think like, wow, I'm doing brilliantly. And then the results like start scaling, 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 and then they just taper off and they just disappear. And we see that all the time with people that come to us as prospects or uh, consultancy clients or anything like that. They, they say, we, we were doing so well earlier in the year. And then it, for some reason, nothing works any longer. And normally what happens is that the experience that the brand will put in front of the customer is such that you're just, people are just bombarding the user right so a lot of people like take their screenshots and they say look at the result we got <laughs> and um and it's over a very short period and they don't show the whole picture and it's like okay then and that died a death did it <laughs> um and and the, the fact is you you see this with big brands like i i saw it in the uk massively with grammarly uh they they just overdid it with their ads and the user experience was such that not just the ad fatigue but almost like the audience fatigue and the brand fatigue was just like i can't see another one of their ads and never think that i'm closer to a buying decision of purchasing their product. And that's what a lot of brands do. They'll kind of, they'll out, out the gate, try and bombard the audience. And it's great if you're doing a launch or something, but if you want to have that consistency in the marketplace, you really need to think about the user experience and work out how you're connecting with people and what that touch point looks like. And if, you, if they do view your ad and they decide to engage with your video, what's the next step? You can't just keep on running the same ad at them. Uh, there's going to be a point at which you really fatigue the audience. And that's kind of like one of, one of the areas to really explore as you're building up on YouTube and you're getting good results is to kind of be careful with that. Um, and I realize I haven't really answered your question there, um, but it's, it's one of those things where it's when you're advertising on YouTube, there's so much potential and you do see these, we do see brands blow up on the, on the platform. It's just that I think that the way to get really consistent results and have really reliable results. And we've done this with a lot of brands where there's one that's coming to mind is in the guitar space. We've been working with them for years and they just get this really, really consistent, reliable platform where you can spend the $5,000, $10,000 a day, but it's, you're, not over, you're not burning out your audience and you're having a great experience with your customers as well. And that's what's much more elegant, I suppose, when it comes to advertising on YouTube is getting that, getting that relationship right with the user. And when it comes to those clients, like spending $10,000 or $50,000 a day, is it the creative? Is it the mass market, the size of potential audience, or is it the offer? Yeah, so we tend to look at like four A's as such, like when we're, when we're looking to advertise on YouTube. So the, the first A that is probably the most important for the actual platform itself is the audience can you get in front of your customers? Like if you're looking to get in front of a particular type of person, like lawyers, 
for example, that's just going to be really tough on YouTube. It's not, it's not a platform where you can say, I want to get in front of that person. We, we tend to break it down into three different types of audiences on YouTube. So you have your, um, and I, I think of them like, if you're, if you're to own a store, like a physical bricks and mortar store on the high street, I think like in that store, you would have three different types of shopper, so to speak. You'd have the window shopper outside the store interested, and they may come in to see what you're selling. You then have the in-store shopper or the store shopper who comes in and might want to talk to a sales rep, ask a few questions about the products and just want to get closer to making a buying decision. And then you'll have that like, the checkout shopper who's made their decision, kind of ready to make their purchase, but they'll also um, have questions around uh, kind of warranties, guarantees, just making more, having more certainty around their purchase. And you've got to make sure that with your audiences on YouTube, it, you're looking for those people that those either those checkout shoppers like you're remarketing they know who your like the brand is they know who you are if there's a big audience there great youtube could work really well for you if you have the store shoppers who are doing their research that's happening all the time on youtube people are looking up brands looking up products looking up um how-to videos etc that kind of are looking for information before they make a purchasing decision and you also have like large interest audiences as well people that are going to YouTube because of their passions and their interests. And as a result of that, you can target those people. So that'll be the first of the four A's to make sure there's actually an audience there for you on YouTube. And, and really we tend to see the biggest brands that really scale will definitely be like a B2C type offering um, because just as huge volumes of consumers on YouTube. The, the, there's, like if you have a big audience, obviously that's gonna help you scale further. Um, the other really important thing is, is your acquisition. So that's going to be your offer. Um, second A, so to speak, is kind of, do you have something that is likely to be like, desirable to the customer? And I wouldn't say that I'm an ex acquisition expert. I don't work on funnels or sales processes too much with clients. Normally they come to us with a great offer already in place. But it's important that they have something that is really desirable and sells really well and there's a good like landing page we can send traffic to it's fast it's benefit driven it's you know what i mean like it's 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 got all the attributes you and i have for an offer and and it's got to have the margin as well so we've got to make sure that when we're promoting anything the client is very not not like hugely roas focused like one dollar has to turn into two dollars immediately otherwise there's no point advertising on youtube we're we're looking for more like the people that do really well on youtube are the sort of people that a lot more growth mindset focused. So they'll say, we're not looking to make profit off day one of the first part of our funnel, for example. We're, we're happy to say our lifetime customer value is good. We're looking to build the brand and expand the brand. Um, and yes, ROAS is important, but it's not the priority from day one, so to speak. And um, those sorts of brands do ridiculously well on YouTube and they can think more like that. And, and so when you see like a brand that has a big focus on the customer is very important and they want to make sure that they continue to engage with that um, customer and then on a mission to change something in the world, so to speak, and, and do something good in the, in the marketplace. Those brands always do well uh, because they see the value in the, each customer they generate and they, are ten, they tend to be more growth mindset, um, which normally leaves a lot more margin on the table to be advertising. Then it does to come down to the third day, which would be your ads and the creative, like Creating ads is probably one of our strongest suits. We're not necessarily um, the best at production and editing in the world, but we come at it from a psychological angle when it comes to any video creative we put together. And we break it down into three distinct sections of each ad. And, and we kind of come at it from understanding what the consumer's going through and make sure we really connect with the customer there. So I can, can go into that if you wish to. Um, and then the, um, the fourth A is the account and how you actually run the account. Um, how do you do the media buying and um, how do you make sure that when you get started, you're running it in the right way? And really, if you're just getting started with YouTube, then you probably want to try and turn a profit and see signs of life that it's a good platform for you. But once you start getting good results and start scaling, that's the point where you need to really consider how you're interacting with people on YouTube. And it's not just bombard people with ads all day long it's it has to be a lot more measured than that so a lot of testing goes on to find the right creative and make sure the messaging is right but then building a customer journey that is really quite elegant so the consumer's like this is great and 
if they've seen your ads and they've seen three or four of your ads and then they're not ready to just go buy just yet, maybe give them a 14 day cool off period where they don't see any of your ads for a little while. Um, and that can be a great strategy as well because you're just cleaning out the, the traffic that's seen your ads, but they're not going to go buy right now. Making sure they don't see any more ads is a, a really effective way of one, having a better user experience, but also keeping your cost per acquisition low as well. So yeah, those are the four main A's we tend to look at. And um, that if you get all those pieces together, it's not, it's not hard. It's just more a case of having the focus. Then you can get some ridiculously good results with YouTube. Yeah, well, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, we definitely will get into more of the ads creative stuff and the nitty gritty, but I'm just curious kind of top level, what would you say to someone that thinks that maybe YouTube ads won't work in their niche? Yeah, n- normally, I mean, they can be they can be right, you know. I don't say that YouTube's going to work for everybody. Um, the one, there is that audience thing. So sometimes people come to us and they might be selling something like, I don't know, heavy machinery or something on those lines are like, yeah, YouTube's not the platform for you. It's not going to be an easy platform to master unless it was some crazy brand awareness piece that you just wanted to get in front of hundreds of thousands of people. It's not really what we do. We do work with large household brands that do have activity like that. Um, but we we pride we kind of pride ourselves on having that mix of understanding the direct response focused, getting one at one dollar to turn into two dollars at scale. And also we quite quickly want to move into the idea that we don't stick in that space for long before we start really appreciating what it takes to have consistency in the account. And that it does need to consider the brand and the user experience. The um so there's kind of sometimes the audience is just isn't there. I always feel like creative is always something we can do on creative to really resonate with an audience. Um, as long as the client is open to creating video and has the budget for it, then that's fine. And you don't, sometimes you don't need to have high budget. Like we have some clients that still do ridiculously well off like an iPhone video. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be high production. But sometimes if it's going to be a brand um, that's like a household brand and they have certain standards and they have certain brand guidelines, then of course there's going to be more budget that's going to be needed to, to pull off a, a kind of a, a concept that you've dreamt up and you thought this would be amazing and it will need a bit, bit of a higher budget. But um, yeah, the, the only thing that I think holds people back is will there be an audience on YouTube? And then a lot of smaller brands will often think, well, I can't be, I'm not very good at video. I'm not very good uh, on being a presenter as such or whatever that might be. And there's apprehension and there's procrastination around doing the video creative and I totally get that I understand and that's kind of a hang-up that can be worked on it's not something that's going to stop them from succeeding on YouTube because you can create ads where you, you can just do it a lot of voiceover and having the person being featured on stage or having written a book or something there's, there's so many ways of creating ads that you don't need to always be presenting directly to camera you can pull together assets and put together really, really effective ads without having to do the bits that you're not very comfortable with. Um, so yeah, every, everyone that has an audience on YouTube can get success on YouTube as long as they have margin as well. Um, that's the only other consideration. Mm, interesting. So you talk about, um, you know, having an audience on YouTube and we talked about before Facebook ads and like this idea of diversification um, is there a world where as a brand you can or, or, or you know, a brand in any capacity, personal brand, business brand, um, is there a world where you can just run Facebook ads? As in terms of like could you just run on Facebook ads for your business and exclude YouTube, for example? Yeah, yeah. Like, like is there like I'm just curious like should if, you, if you're doing well on Facebook do, do you, or like yeah, why not just stay on Facebook? Yeah, that's, I mean, a lot of brands that are doing ridiculously well on Facebook, then good. Like if, if you haven't got bandwidth to take on a new platform, then stick with what, you, what you're getting success with. I would say that right now, like I, I'm always, I suppose I'm biased and um, I'm always going to say, hey, YouTube's great. That's kind of, I'm, I'm probably going to bang that drum quite a bit. Um, but um, from a standpoint, if like, let's say, for example, my brother who runs a company is doing really well on Facebook. And he's like, hey, I wanted to get onto YouTube. There would probably be a question of like, well, why? Um, if you're killing it on Facebook, do you really have time and the energy to move onto YouTube? 
And so there'll be that consideration for sure, because uh, I wouldn't advise any people, anybody to kind of just go and explore YouTube just because you can, um, because it doesn't require um, some time and effort. You've got to learn a new platform. It's not like Facebook. There's a lot of differences. There's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences as well and nuances. The only thing I would say, though, is that I think the time has finally come where people can realize the importance of diversification. You know, I think that for years gone by, I've been saying, hey, you should probably diversify some of your traffic sources because I've been, I've had experiences where SEO has been really good and died a death. I used to do Google ads and that died, a, well, I didn't die a death, but it just became harder. And no platform ever dies a death, so to speak, uh, or marketing channel ever dies a death. It just changes. And you've got to be good to keep up with the changes. And I think that's exactly what's happening right now on Facebook is that it's not going to be like it was a few years ago where you're like, hey, just build an audience, do a lookalike audience, and off you go. <laughs> it's, it's not the same any longer. And YouTube will have its time when it's easier now and it's going to be tougher in the future. I would just say to people, like, if you're ready to take on a new platform, YouTube is amazing. If you're not ready and you haven't got the bandwidth for it, double down on what you're doing that's working already. Like, there's no point like spreading yourself thin um, only diversify when you can you know yep yeah love that okay you answered my question that's what i was looking for so let's go into creative and metrics and stuff like let's just start off with like let's just say you have some facebook ads that are doing well and they're video creative can you take that and just run them on youtube is it that easy or i, I hear a lot of face uh, youtube advertisers saying you can do that and i've always got terrible results if i've ever tried to take a good, good video from from Facebook. I mean, I'm sure there's ways you can do it. And we, and we have repurposed videos that have worked on Facebook and they, and they can work for a short period, but really, if you were going to dive into YouTube, I'd say, look, it's a very different platform because first of all, the audience thing is very different. Like you're targeting people in a completely different way um, on YouTube. I think of like YouTube is like the library of a town and Facebook's like the bar, like the social element of the bar. Like it's fun to be there and everyone's hanging out there and um, lots of exciting things are happening there. That's where you go to chat. And then you go to the library to be like, I need to do some research and find something out. And <laughs> this is like, I'll start reading books that I'm interested in, or I need to find the answer in a book somewhere. Um, I'm probably kind of a little bit outdated with that analogy, but I'm sure you get the idea. It's, it's just a different place to be. And the, the, the experience that people have on YouTube is that you tend to be, go to YouTube and stick around for a long period. So the average session duration on YouTube is like 40 minutes, uh, which means that some people are there for hours, some people are there for a couple of minutes. But you probably check into YouTube once, maybe twice a day, if that. Some people would like binge every third day or something. Whereas with Facebook, you might log in like 10 to 20 times a day, you know. Uh, so it's a very different platform, and that's why you need to treat it differently and just realize that. Um, but the... The thing I would say about um, the ads as well that you've run on um, YouTube versus Facebook is that if you run a video ad on Facebook, a lot of the time the video is there to grab the attention and then people would then go read the uh, description above or, the, um, or the, the post and read the text in that post and then maybe even look at some of the comments and see what is going on in the comments and see the likes and things like that. And so there's a whole, it's a whole, in the newsfeed, there's something happening there. Whereas with YouTube, in the vast majority of cases, if we're talking about the pre-roll ad or the in-stream ad, then what you are actually doing is you're showing an, a video in isolation. There's, there's no text above it. There's no comments beneath it. You've literally, someone's pressed play on a video and your ad has appeared instead. And you've just got the video ad. And there's a skip ad button there, which counts down from five seconds. You've got your call to action button there. And then you've got the ad and that's it. It's just the video ad. That's all you've got. So if, you're, if you had an ad that was running really well on Facebook and it was running well because of this description and the comments and the, and the engagement of that video, it may have been working because of the engagement, not because of the content of the video. And if you try and just repurpose that for YouTube, you're, you're kind of missing the point a little bit, you know? Um, so it's, it depends, I suppose. If you had like a killer five minute ad on Facebook that was working really, really well. And there was very little text around it and very little comments. I'll be like, yeah, that might, that might work really well on YouTube, but I would still like to, I, I mean, I pride myself on some of the creative we do with clients from a standpoint of we, we get what people want on YouTube. We just 
been doing it long enough and it's a different platform. And so if you can, if you can take that into consideration, you can just sit back and say, it's not going to take much extra work, but I can create a much better ad for the platform. And that's what I prefer to do is just start afresh and say, this is what we need to do. Um, what works on Facebook is going to be different to what's going to work on YouTube. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success you should come and check out our new podcast from Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. From your perspective, what makes a great ad from like when it comes to creative, from a creative viewpoint? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about the production and how to film the video and how to edit the video because there's people out there that are far better at that piece than I am. The piece where we get really good results is through the psychology of the ad. So we, we try and grab as much information as we can from existing data from a client already. So if we, the more we know about what the customers really want and the demographic data and the um, like age and gender and the type of devices that may have worked well, we'll, we'll pull that together and understand who we're trying to get in front of from, from the beginning. And really what we do is we, we did, we did about, it must've been about two, three years ago now, we sat back on all the videos we'd ever done with clients. and I wanted to kind of just get to a system where I said, right, we have a standard operating procedure in the agency to be like, here's how we create video ads, which is quite difficult because sometimes it feels like you're, you're, you get into a creative flow and you can just think of things and it works really well. Um, but I wanted to make sure that we could replicate success each time and have a system to run with. And so I kind of went back to the very like basics um, and tried to kind of break down what we're actually trying to do in a video ad. Um, and what we kind of, if we if to break it down more and more, and we do this a lot in psychology as well as it's like understanding what you're actually trying to do in this situation. And what we're trying to do is just get people to make a decision and say, I'm going to go from not ready to make a decision to want this and happy to take action and feel like I need to take action and get that someone to click and then go do the next action on the site as well. And it all comes down to the, the mindset of the customer. So really what we need to do, and in order to make someone make a decision, you need to, there's three key elements to decision-making that we've noticed and uh, we've seen that works best. And when we now apply this to, to videos, it works ridiculously well. So we actually break it into three acts, the videos we do. Um, the first thing to do when it comes to video creative is to understand like the deep desire of the customer. Like what's the emotion that's going to drive a decision? And if you ever, if you've, I'm sure you've seen it before. Like when you get on, turn on TV or you see a, you see a video ad on online and it might be selling, I don't know, let's say a four by four off-roading vehicle, for example, and you see a car driving up a mountainside or you'll see it going off off-roading and get to a secluded beach where the driver gets out, gets their surfboard and, and go surfing, for example. And really what, what's being sold there, yes, they see the four by four vehicle being sold. That's in the ad. But really what they're selling is adventure. They're saying, hey, if you buy this product, we promise to you that you will have adventure or you'll be more adventurous in your life. And that's the first thing we try and work out with clients is to understand like what emotion are we really selling here? Because that's the first thing that gets the brain activated like the, the unconscious brain is not, you can't make a decision until your unconscious wants it. Like unconsciously you've got to feel like emotionally I'm engaged. I want this thing. And you may not even know why you want something sometimes. Um, but it's a deep, 
like uh, desire that drives emotion. And so um, another example of this uh, might be, uh, we worked with a, a client um, and got ridiculously good results with their ads. And she's a top pianist and she teaches people around the world how to play piano. And we sat there and, and it, took, it takes like a couple of hours sometimes to get through this. And it can take weeks sometimes as well to really get to the bottom of it. And I was saying to her, okay, what do, you, what do your customers really want deep down? And we were talking about it and discussing it in quite some length. And she really, it kind of hit her all of a sudden. She's just like, do you know what it is? It's, I want, like, I know my customers want to be able to sit down at the piano, play, and just lose themselves in their creativity and just enjoy it to feel like they're in a state of flow. They get in the zone and they just play. And it can feel like five minutes, but it's been an hour. And they're just off in their creative genius. I was like, okay, cool. Um, what if you were to have a dream tonight and you went to bed and you fell asleep and you dreamt about this, what would like the most surreal example of that be in your vision? And again, that was, it gets quite abstract and, and it can get into some strange places sometimes. And she immediately said, do you know what? I, I can see a, a really like a beautiful piano on the beach with the waves lapping and, um, and someone playing on the piano and just in their element. And I said to her, okay, cool. Can we take one of your pianos to the beach? <laughs> and um, she has like these Steinway pianos that are worth a fortune. And she was like, probably not that piano, but we can see what we can do. Um, in the end, we, we realized that the salt air would just destroy the piano completely. Um, and so that wasn't a good idea. But we did manage, to, she was moving and um, she got the removal men to take her piano uh, to the to the base of this mountain that was on a golf course, but it's, it looks like a meadow and there's a beautiful lake and a beautiful stream running by in the background. And so you have this like snow peaked mountain, these beautiful trees, this meadow and these waters uh, lapping by. And you just see the start of the ad, the piano in isolation at the bottom of this mountain. And she walks and she starts playing. Um, she sits down at the piano and starts playing. And if you, I mean, I'm not even into piano. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not that musical myself, but as soon as I see it, I'm like, I want to learn how to play piano and play there. That's like, looks so cool. And just emotionally, you're just tied into it. Now, if you're a pianist, you're going to be like, oh my word, this looks amazing. And emotionally, you're just drawn in immediately because immediately you see like this, this, the reason we're there is because it just shows freedom. And that's what she wanted people to feel. It's like complete creative freedom. We thought that having a piano there just emulates that immediately. So that was the first scene of this ad, it just wakes up the unconscious desires of like, I want that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about it. You can't consciously process it very quickly, but you're like, deep down, I want to be there. I want to be that person sitting at the piano and feeling that emotion. And we try and do that with every ad that we create. We try and get to the real root emotion um, that people want to experience. And, it, and it's a lot of probing and a lot of understanding about what the customer really is saying, because they'll say one thing, but they'll mean another thing sometimes as well. So you can't easily ask people about what it is they really want. But sometimes you, you see it in their reviews or sometimes in complaints about products from competitors or something, you'll, you'll see it like, I really wanted it to do this. And it never did that. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. That was insightful. There's going to be something at some point where you, you pick away at it and you get some real deep desires that, uh, that really um, help you understand like how to start that video. You know, it's, it's just that opening scene and what you say in the first few uh, parts of that video is very much going to be tied into the pains and the desires and what people really want and start talking a bit more about a backstory as well to the, to the brand um, and kind of expressing your point of view of the world as well, you know, like what you stand for and what you stand against, but you start moving into act two at that point. So when you've kind of done act one as this emotional piece, act two is going to become a lot more logical. So in your brain, when you're making decisions, this unconscious brain is activated now. It's like, I want this. And really what your unconscious brain does to your conscious brain, which is this much smaller part of us that um, is a lot more. I mean, if you ask your brain to do a math problem, then the conscious brain is engaged. If you were to ask it to remember what it was like when you went to that concert when you were a kid, that's the unconscious brain bringing up the memory again and the motion that everything goes with it and all the anchored like uh, feelings and everything else with it. So as soon as you get the unconscious brain wanting something, it's going to tax the conscious brain with the, with the task of saying, find out how to get that thing. <laughs> and the conscious brain then starts listening in for details. It's looking for logical reasons why they can make this purchase. 
we we think it's logical reasons and we'll even as consumers think we're making a good decision because of these reasons they're just justifications that's the that's the interesting thing is that any reason why we buy something if we have a logical reason for buying something it's an excuse to an excuse for why the unconscious brain is happy with it so if i go and buy that 4x4 vehicle and i'm like oh i i bought the 4x4 vehicle because it's got an amazing safety record um, and I love the fact that the um, the display and how the how the um, how the, the steering is amazing, or something along those lines. That is secondary to the fact that emotionally I want to be more adventurous in my life. <laughs> you know, it, that's what we're really trying to buy into. To be like, I want to either I want to be more adventurous in my life, and I want to feel that emotion, or I want to be seen by other people to be the adventurous person. <laughs> um, and it may be both sometimes as well. But that's kind of the unconscious saying, I want that. And then logically, you're going to try and um, kind of um, the brain is going to try and justify that decision. So in act two, we start to talk a lot more about the values of the brand and what you stand for, what you stand against, what's like trying to align with the with the viewer to make them feel like, yeah, this is important. And you 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 consider this like those things that I think are important. We're on the same page. And um, by doing that, it makes people feel like, oh, this is a, this is something for me. This is um, it, the, the brand promise becomes like in Act One. You're saying you're going to feel this when you buy our product, um, and you're going to get it in the way that you like it. So the way that you like it is Act Two. It's like saying um, a lot of the values and what you stand for, what you stand against, the backstory of the product is all in there in Act Two. Um, and so you might want to bring up things like, as I said, the backstory, credibility, anything like that, um, a demonstration of the product, uh, and just, or if, if it's like a, a service-based business, it's going to be a walkthrough of the process of how you go through things. And so people feel just like, oh, wow, this is, this is a key, uh, it, there's, there's things with this brand that I really resonate with, and it justifies that decision that I'm going to go and buy this thing. And then, um, so you kind of got people to be at that point in the end of act two, feeling like, yeah, I want it and it makes sense. And the final piece is we've got to put on um, a level of tension. So actually people are moved to make the action or take action. Um, now I'm never a fan of scarcity or kind of times running out or that type of stuff. Like I feel like it could be done a lot more elegantly and the way that we tend to do it and this is something that kind of um, really, really helps when you get this right is to, we, we call it um, identity tension. And so during this process of act one and act two, what we're hoping to try and do as well is, is give the viewer uh, a new identity. So if you're going to be the adventurous type, we'll kind of show what that person is really like. And they may even be part of a group or feel part or belonging to a certain tribe or something like oh i'm a i'm a surfer now or, so, or i feel like an adventurer or something along those lines i feel that that's who i'm going to become i i have an identity now where that's who i am if i buy this car i get to have that um, identity i become someone new and transform into somebody and if we can allow people to have that a new identity the uh, status might come with that and if it does and they feel like part of a group like an elite group or part of a, a group that they can feel um part of and so it's bigger than them the great thing about doing that is that normally groups will have a level of status and also will have um a kind of a behavioral norms really like they have like to be part of a group you have to behave in a certain way or to own an identity and be seen by other people and by a certain way, you, your decision-making becomes different and your behavior becomes different when you're like that. So what we try and do is give people an identity that's very desirable. They're like, yeah, that's me. I'm going to become this new person. But with that comes behavioral norms to say people like us, like this is a Seth Godin thing, um, but he'll say like people like us do things like this. And that's what we're going to tell people is um, and it's got to be like truthful. We can't just make this up, but it was kind of giving people the identity and saying, this is you now, this is who you're going to become as a result of buying this product that you want and make sense to do this. You become this person and therefore you need to act in this certain way. And that acting in that certain way or taking the action that you would like people to take, you're showing other people that are just like you doing this already, but it, it adds that tension because really what they're thinking in their head at the end of the video is like, well, if I don't do what you're asking me to do, 
I'm saying I'm not this person. And that's really difficult to do. If you've, if you've tried on the identity and you think, yeah, this is me, I feel good, I wanna be this person. And then my first test point is to say, will I click the ad and go and do the thing you're asking of me? That's a really difficult thing to be like, yeah, I'm this person internally. And then be like, my first test, I've said, no, I'm not gonna be that person. That's really difficult to do as a consumer. You, you want to um, stay consistent with the decision you've just made to be this new person. And so that's the kind of almost like clicking the link and going and doing the action is the first test out of that new identity. And, and that massively improves the results because people then feel like, oh, I'm this new person. I'm going to affirm that I am with this action of clicking this ad to go to the site and do the next step. Um, and that's the third act, really. So we'll normally in the third act show testimonials and say, this is the people just like you. This is the new tribe of people that you'll be belonging to. And this is how they behaved. And this is the sort of results that they got. So you're just like them. They're just like you. There's such a similarity there. They're getting the results. They took the action. Um, and now it's your turn to say that you want to be part of this as well, or you want to be this person as well. And um, that's when we just make sure that the call to action is very desirable and also very easy to take. And um, that's normally the three acts to how we do the video ads. Yeah, wow. That was super valuable. Thank you, man. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, we have to uh, move towards wrapping up. We've got a few more questions, then we'll move to a hot seat round. Um, mm -hmm. Just quickly, like what's a brand right now that you think people should be studying when it comes to YouTube ads that are doing an incredible job? Good question. Um, so a brand that we see doing really good stuff that we think people should start to look at. Um, I think there's a brand called Four Patriots, um, on, I wouldn't say they're a household brand, but you can go and Google them and, and look them up for Patriots. They do amazing videos where twofold, they have amazing direct response ads and you can kind of check out some of their videos. They've sold multiple products, um, kind of in the, uh, in the survival stroke kind of, um, that sort of space. And they, they, yeah, they've created some amazing direct response ads there. They also focus a lot more now on brand as well. Um, so they're kind of aware of their users and what they're trying to build as a brand. And, and I think that's starting to come through in a lot more of their advertising. So I think there's a really good mix of creative. So for me, if, if you were to explore that, you get the best of both worlds. You get the kind of brand focused ads and also you get the direct response ads. And I know they're doing ridiculously well. So <laughs> that, they're yeah. a great brand to watch. Yeah. And it's four number four, right? Patriots. Yeah, number four, Patriots. Yeah, so it's an amazing brand anyway. Um, but it just so happens they create amazing YouTube ads as well, which is cool. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, um, I am familiar with them. They're, yeah, they're pretty hardcore direct response. Um, okay. Uh, and you guys as well. You guys create some amazing ads as well. I think oh. I see your ads, they're, they're, they're produced ridiculously well. So it's very cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, look, we're doing, we're doing all right. We could do much better. Like, I'm taking notes. Great tips from you. Um, there's some really cool <laughs> stuff there. Um, just like to talk about metrics around margin. You talked about, you said something really interesting around you cannot come to YouTube and expect like a, a two, three X ROAS off the gate. You like from your experience, you're looking to work with clients that see long-term really know their LTVs Um so it's not is so like can you give us a ballpark what people should expect like should they expect a two or three x ROAS um, on the back end, uh, not not so much on the front end, as opposed to Facebook or? Oh, I think that there's a certain um, businesses that will do far better on YouTube than Facebook, and there's probably a lot of businesses that will do far better on on Facebook than YouTube, um, and and so. I'm not saying that you can't get a ROAS of like five to 10 X ROAS from YouTube. I'm not saying that's not possible. We've, we've done it many, many times, but I don't want people to come in with the expectation of that. You know, I want people to kind of treat it like there's, there's a lot of companies. It kind of, it becomes a bit of a bugbear for me where people come into a new platform and like, well, we're, we're getting four X ROAS on, um, on Facebook, let's go do the same thing on YouTube and, and anything less than that. It's not really worth our time. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, there's more to it than just um, making a ton of money on your first sell, you know? Um, and that, that's kind of where I look at it for a lot of brands is to say, 
that first interaction, you want to try and work out something we can break even. So you're kind of getting new customers for free, basically. So whatever you spend on advertising, you're going to kind of put it back into the ad accounts, basically. And then your next sell becomes 100% profit from there on in. But you've got to have more of a back end and and be, and be um, creating more products. It's Yes, you, we've got pro- companies that we've worked with. I've got one product, we sell it and make a ROAS and scale like crazy as well. So that, that does happen. It's just that I know that people, I, I know I, I don't want to set expectations that people come into the platforms like, hey, this is going to be amazing. Um, YouTube is amazing because people do that. People talk about these platforms like, I, I get frustrated when agencies post, um, like, look at our results. And you think, yeah, you, that's, you, you've got to show a snapshot of like one week's data where you got, got lucky with a high-end sale or something from a very low ad spend. And now you're raving about ROAS. It's, it's not good for the industry long-term. It's, it's not, a, not a good place for us to be. And same with people selling courses that do a similar thing, you know, where you're like, the expectation is like, okay, cool. I'm going to get a 17X ROAS on day one from YouTube. It's like, it's not going to happen quite like that. And I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with people, you know. Um, but the, the way that I tend to work out with clients um, that want to really do well on YouTube, and this is kind of a, a, good, a, a good measurement stick, I suppose. I suppose. And um, this comes from um, Profit First by Mike McCallowitz. And I kind of stole it from, I say stole it, I kind of read it and I was like, this is genius. I'm going to apply it to advertising. So the way we look at it now is to try and work out what margin you want to play with. We'll say, what's your, let's say, for example, you've got a 72 hour window from the day the ad um, was seen to the point which like that first part of that experience is done now. Um, we'll say, what is the average order value? And let's say it's $100. I say, okay, cool. It's $100 average order value. Then we'll say, and what's the cogs around that? And you might want to kind of say, well, it's $20 um, for cogs or something like that. You're like, okay, cool. Fine. So let's, let's say, let's park that. So now for every hundred dollars average order value you're making, you need to take out $20 for that. So you're left with $80. And then I'll say to the client, okay, how much profit do you want to take? And as a percentage now, the, the rule of thumb I'll say is most, most of the time, especially in that front end funnel is that like, if you take 20%, that's a great number, anything less than that, you're being um, even better for the advertising, but you may not be making enough money on the front end if, unless you have a ridiculously good lifetime customer value and good back end and things. But any more than that, let's say, for example, you want to take 50% on the front end, you're just going to strangle your ad account. You know, it's, and also you're going to open up to competition because if you start spending and you're getting great return on ad spend, then the competition are coming and going to see that you're doing really well. They'll be like, okay, cool. This brand seems to be doing well on YouTube. Let's go do the same thing. And they'll basically cop like, take the same approach. They'll probably get great results. They may even beat you. And then they'll be the sort of people that be like, Hey, I don't mind. I've got a great back end. We'll lose money on the front end and we'll invest a lot more in our ad creative and start exploring a lot more avenues. And all of a sudden you're, you're bullied out of the, out of the um, marketplace. So we normally say, look, take your average order value, take your cogs, take your um, profit margin that you want and whatever you're left with, that's how much you can spend on advertising. Um, and, from there, it's a, it's a much more fruitful relationship long term because they can take their profit on the front end, they can take all their profit on the back end, but they're just um, freeing up the margin to be played with on the on the ad spend. Yeah, love it. That's great. Um, very familiar with profit first. Seen Mike speak actually at an event. He's awesome. Um, that yeah, yeah he's that, very good. I yeah. love seeing Mike stuff. All of this stuff is great. I think, but yeah, profit first in particular was a big breakthrough for how we look at running ads for clients and stuff. Yeah, Parkinson's law. He taught me about Parkinson's law. Um, and yeah, yeah, we use profit. It's awesome. Okay, so we're going to move to the hot seat round now. Um, so basically, I'm going to ask just like four questions, just 30 second answers. Um, so just on ballpark, how much uh, money have you spent all up, you believe, on YouTube advertising? Well, I don't know how much we've spent in all time. Um, we oversee uh, well over a hundred thousand a day now, but um, that's been our ballpark f- for a while. Um, in terms of our own money, because we remember when we run our ads for agency, we're spending our own money. I don't know where we're at, like lifetime. Like I don't, we haven't, we don't spend a hundred thousand on our own money uh, on a daily basis. But on um, uh, when we kind of like oversee from consultancy clients and everything else like that, I, I, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's very difficult to do. We spend a lot, but I'm not sure exactly how much it is. Uh, I've, I've never counted it up. <laughs> All good. Um, what's the one trait you believe every entrepreneur needs to be successful? One of the things that served me really well, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs benefit from this, is to ask yourself the hard questions and sit there until you have the answer. <laughs> um, and think on it for a while and, and don't let up on it. Sometimes the most difficult questions, you can come up with such creative answers that allow you to have such big breakthroughs. And um, and, we, and we always do that. We try and think of like, what's the, what's, the, what's the perfect scenario for the customer and can we provide that to them? And normally the answer is no to begin with. And you're like, not a chance. We can't even do that nearly. And then when you sit with it for a while, you'll normally come up with an answer. It's like, okay, maybe we can do this. And then all of a sudden you get ridiculously creative to make it happen. And that's where new great ideas and products come from, in my opinion. What's the one thing you wish people knew about YouTube ads? I wish they knew the power of the brand um, experience for customers and how people remember ads and remember what they see and hear and feel. So many people come into YouTube thinking, I've got to write a script and it's such a terrible starting place because no one ever watches a YouTube ad and thinks, do you remember, I really remember that ad and do you remember what they said? Do you remember that like 43 seconds in, they had this perfect line. It's like, but no one ever says that. They come off the back of a video and they're like, I remember what I saw and what I felt. And I wish people would realize that because no one ever forgets that as well. And if you get that right and people remember you for that reason, they'll never forget you. And that goes a long way. Um, to building such like experience with your customer, it's huge. And uh, last question: What excites you most about the future? The the thing that excites me most is probably going to be building experiences. So when we're thinking about running ads on YouTube, the old way, well, the current way, and maybe getting more and more outdated as time goes on, is to to go from like an ad to a website, maybe to do a lead gen thing, or maybe to try and sell a product and then um, be very, very direct response. And I don't want to lose that because that's my, that's always been my way. I always want to make try and turn like a, a small investment to a very large amount of money as quickly as possible. And I think that the, the future lies in um, running ads that gives the user an experience so it feels like you get into a world of like, if I was to run an ad for like my ad buyers club or something along those lines, I wouldn't run ad to webinar or something. I think that's kind of outdated and done. It still can work really well, but I feel like the future is very much like add to more experience on YouTube and, and lead people down a, a journey. So they feel like this is amazing. I'm getting great content and all just front load it all, you know, um, instead of saying, you got to click my ad, then opt in for my webinar or something, or um, I don't know, whatever journey you're going to create for people is such small percentages. Like if you get a great ad, it's 2% click through rate. And if you get people to opt in at a 30% rate, that's amazing. And you're like, well, that's 0.6% of my traffic get to see my good stuff. Um, whereas if I just put it on YouTube and run it from the outset, from, from the very beginning, 100% of people that see my video, see my good stuff. I'm happy with, the, with those numbers. Um, so I, I really do feel like building experiences for people is much better than trying to get them to give you stuff in exchange for more content. Like I just think the world is changing so fast and that's what I'm really excited about is building those experiences for, with brands to give users a much better experience on YouTube. Yeah, no, that's cool. Awesome. Well, look, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, where's the best place, one or more, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work? Yeah, so probably the best place to go is adbuyersclub.com um, or just reach out um, to Tom, like Tom Breeze on Facebook or wherever it might be. Um, it's pretty easy to get hold of me. Awesome. Well, look, we will wrap there right on time. <laughs> yeah, it was great to connect. And yeah, thank you so much for doing such an awesome interview. Cheers, Nathan. Thanks so much, buddy. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview as you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, 
and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.